Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Pastor Isaac, and you are about to watch a sermon from our new series, Once Upon a Time. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus would always share what it's like to be a member of the Kingdom of God through what we know as parables. And uh, we want to be able to have these sermons be able to articulate the Gospel in a powerful way through the parables of Jesus. And we know every single week people from uh, the YouTube family or from our church family are being blessed by these sermons. And if uh, you're being blessed by this particular sermon, I encourage you, leave a comment, write something in the caption below. Uh, or also you could give financially to our church so that we could get these sermons out and be able to reach more people uh, for the glory of God. Uh, and you could do so on the link provided below. Thank you so much. God bless and enjoy the sermon. Uh, this week, we're going to go to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, and it's uh, a story Jesus told to a, a similar group that he told the story of the prodigal son to. It was a, a, a group of pastors, a group of religious leaders, a group of people that uh, were questioning Jesus and didn't understand all of his methods and, and why he uh, had, had, had someone on his staff, one of his disciples, who was a tax collector. One of the, uh, um, tax, the tax collectors, what they were, is really the mobsters of the day. They were the ones that, that they didn't steal from the rich and give to the poor. They stole from the poor to, to feed themselves and feed the rich. And these were uh, people who were shysters, people that were crooked. And yet he had Matthew, the tax collector, as one of his disciples, and this j just baffled all of the religious people. And so uh, Jesus, it says, verse 9, he, uh, he said to some who were confident, say confident. Some, some who were confident of their own goodness and righteousness, and they looked down on other people. Jesus told this parable. He said, once upon a time, two men went up to the temple to pray. Uh, one was a Pharisee, the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, that I don't have that cell phone ringer on my phone, <laughs> that I am not one who leaves my phone on during church. Thank God I'm not like one of those people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to. We love everybody. Okay, I'm not. I don't mean to point you out, but if your phone goes off, I will. <laughs> or even like this other person, this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I'm really skinny. And I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector, the, the, the mobster, the, the evildoer, stood at a distance, and he would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, the sinner. Verse 14, I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves before others will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Um, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence that is here, Lord. I pray that you will speak through me as I share your word this morning, Lord God, uh, that you will help us no matter where we're at to be able to glean knowledge from this parable, Lord. Uh, soften our hearts, peak our ears in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. 
Um, we were very fortunate uh, this trip to be able to really enjoy ourselves, enjoy our time, uh, get a lot of rest. I had a lot of time to, to think about this sermon and what I wanted to preach to you guys this week and about the upcoming series and um, had a lot of time to think on the plane. Uh, this is the first time we took uh, a, a, a real newborn infant on a plane. Uh, I think uh, last time we, we took Judah when he was over one. And uh, this trip, we had, uh, we had Dewey on the plane with us. And, and that, that's, a, that's a little scary, right? That's a little nerve-wracking when you, you take a, a newborn on a plane. What's going to happen? Is he going to cry the whole way? Are we going to be those people? Are people going to give us funny looks? I was already, like, hyping myself up on the way to the airport. If anybody looks at me dirty, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to smack him right across the face and say, you were a baby too once. But we, we were amazed. Dewey, uh, he didn't cry at all on the plane. We, we were so blessed. Uh, not only did he not cry, he did not sleep either. And on, on the way home, uh, we're, uh, we're, we're in, in the back in the, uh, the, the uh, section with the 18-inch chairs that your butt, like even my butt, barely even fits in. And, and so uh, I'm in the middle seat. Uh, I got Diamond to my right with Dewey. She's in the aisle. And then I had the notorious nose picker to the left of me. Um, and, and I had the, the hacking cough guy behind me. Uh, and, and so I'm not throwing stones because he who has never picked their nose cast the first stone. And yeah, I've, I've, I've been there before, so no judgment to the nose picker, but very uncomfortable position to be in. And uh, we were just hoping that baby Dewey would be able to fall asleep. And, and finally, there, there was a minute where he fell asleep. It, it was about a five-minute gap, and then some, some joker behind me got up to get his luggage and just slammed the, the luggage container, woke Dewey up, startled him. I'm, oh my gosh, I wanted to fight a guy. I was was so I'm like, come on, man. Really just went to bed. And, and, and so I, I had some time to really think about this sermon and think about this topic of, of confidence. Jesus said to those who were confident in themselves, and, and confidence is, is, is such a uh, such a talked about term these days. It's, it's so important to have confidence. I feel like I'm qualified to talk on this topic because every single seven days I have to get up in front of you guys and be able to, to present myself in a confident way that I, that I know what I'm talking about, that I've studied. And, and so I know a little bit about confidence and confidence can really transform a person. Confidence can compensate for your weaknesses a lot of times as you're able to project confidence. Uh, sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it that can project confidence that you know what you're talking about. And so I was trying to think of a, a time in my life where I was able to have confidence, where I was able to muster it up. And uh, I'll never forget this time. Uh, it was one of the first weddings I ever did. And I uh, was given a poem that I had to read for the bride and groom. And so I, I was a little bit nervous. And the wedding was supposed to start at 6 o'clock. Weddings never start on time. This started at like 6.45. And at 6.45, uh, it started to get a little dark. And this was an outdoor wedding. And so I had to read this poem. And I could not see this poem for the life of me. And, and as I'm, I'm doing the, the, the you know, beginning, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to read this poem. I can't, I can't see it. I don't have it memorized. And so I, I get the poem that, that this, this bride, I'm like, I'm going to screw this up. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to be able to do a wedding again in the tri-state area. This is going to be a colossal failure. So, so I, just, I, I just started to make up a poem as I read it. And, and, and I started talking about sunsets and sunrises and beauty and, and, and glistening, you know, eyes and tears welling up. And, and, and I had no idea what I was saying, but I said it with confidence. And nobody had any clue, not even the bride that wrote it, that I was making up this poem. Why? 
because I said it with confidence. Confidence has a way of transforming somebody. Confidence, people will say, if, even if you're not the, the greatest looking in the world's eyes, and even if you're, you're not the most educated, but if you walk up to a girl with confidence, man, you'll be amazed at what can happen. But then there's a difference between having confidence and just being a creep. Because you, you got a fi fine line there. But, but confidence is a powerful thing. But it also can be a problem. Because confidence can also create within a person somebody that is unenjoyable to be around. Confidence can create something, an, an arrogance within somebody. Confidence can create a, a personification that, that you're better than other people. And Jesus is dealing with that as he's saying that this, this confidence that you Pharisees have is leading you to comparison. It's leading you to look down on other people. And, and, and some of the most overconfident people, one of the derivatives that comes from that is arrogance. And you, you look at someone, and they look so confident. I, I was thinking of who's a confident person that I remember from my past, and I couldn't help but think of, of this one uh, woman who, when she would talk, man, she was so confident that she was the baddest woman on the planet. Who am I talking about? Has the same name as, as Pastor Rhonda. Rhonda Rousey. And anyone remember Rhonda Rousey? And, and man, she, she would just talk down to everybody. She would just beat everybody up. And, and, and she was uh, saying how jealous everybody was of her. And, and she was a self-made fighter. And she worked harder than everybody. And she was so self-confident in her ability. She was so confident that she would compare herself to other people and look down on other people until she got punched in the mouth by Holly Holmes, 2016, busted up her face. I, I think it said that she wasn't able to talk for, 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 for weeks at a time because she broke her, and, and at that moment, her confidence was shattered. And when you put your hope in your confidence, uh, this is the result. And we have a clip that we're gonna show of, of Rhonda when she was on the Ellen Show uh, sharing about what happened to her after that fight, just take a listen for a second. It was weird. I had like, weird. I had like no perception of like. Um, I felt like almost like I couldn't see. Like I could see, but I couldn't tell like how far my hand was from my face or how far she was from me. Like um, when you sit and you're not moving and you still are aware of where your body is, that's like a part of your brain that's telling you where you are in space. And it was like that kind of turned off. I was like swinging blindly. I knew she was out there, but like. It was, uh, I, I really don't remember most of that. That must have been really scary then because you're aware that that's happening and also that's like in a split second you're aware of that and you're still trying to protect yourself. Well, you're aware of that and you have to try and not make it appear as if you're hurt. Right. Because if someone can tell, then they're going to swarm in on you. And so I was trying my best to make it, to kind of hide the fact that I wasn't even there anymore. Um, so do you have, like how long does a headache last after you're hit like that? Do you have a headache still? No. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't have a headache at all. It's not about like pain or things happening. It's just things stopped working. You know, like my my brain stopped working properly and my teeth didn't really work that properly. And how long was it that your brain was not aware of of that? How long did that take to settle down? Um, probably till like the next morning. Wow. Did you? I mean, did you worry for a minute? Like, could this be permanent? Did I really hurt myself? And maybe I'll, I won't do this again? No. To be honest, like what I was thinking, like. My, honestly, like my thought, I was like, 
I was like uh, in the medical room and I was like down in the corner, I was sitting in the corner and I was like, what am I anymore if I'm not this? And I was literally sitting there and like thinking about killing myself and then exact second I'm like, I'm nothing. I'm like, what do I do anymore? To be honest, I looked up and I saw my man, Travis was standing there and I was looking up at him and I was just like, I need to have his babies. I need to stay alive. <laughs> that was like, really, that was You need to stay alive. <laughs> and uh, I hadn't told anybody that. I think I only told him that. Not confident anymore. See, when your confidence is in yourself and your confidence is in your training, and your confidence is in how good of a person you are. And, and, and the reason I am where I am is because of me and, and my work ethic. And I'm better than everybody else. And you're so confident in yourself. The problem with that is when you get punched in the mouth, if you think you're the one that puts you there, if you think you're the one that's responsible for this pedestal that you have been able to climb to, then once you get punched in the face, then guess who's responsible to keep you there? Is you. And Jesus says, beware of this confidence. He says, beware of, of, of this overconfidence, this, this confidence that will cause you to compare yourself to other people. And I thought I was supposed to be confident. Like, I need to be confident, right? In, in this, I, I, I will be confident. I don't want to be a, a, an unconfident person. But Jesus is telling us, Jesus is warning us that, that your confidence in your flesh and in who you are and in your good deeds will lead you to a catastrophic fall. The Bible says that pride comes before the fall. So if I'm not supposed to be confident, what am I supposed to be? I, I mean, you, you think that God is up in heaven saying this morning, oh my gosh, look how good, look how good amazing Wayne is. Oh, Wayne read his Bible every single day this week, O-M-E. That's what God says. He doesn't say OMG. He says OMG. No. God doesn't care about your Bible reading, Wayne. What, God, what pleases God is your faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And yet we think that what is pleasing to God is how good we are or, or, or our work so often. And Jesus says that is not the case whatsoever. And this is confusing for me. What am I supposed to be? Am I supposed to be uh, super confident or, or, or am I supposed to be insecure and not confident? What is it? Because I, I, I don't want to be an unconfident pastor, an insecure pastor. Nobody wants that, that kind of pastor leading their church. But I don't want to have to be super cocky and confident, overconfident, when nobody wants to, to have a conversation with me because I make it all about who I am. And, and so often we need this message desperately in our life. And Jesus told of this, and then another guy, his name was the Apostle Paul, he shared and kind of reinforced what Jesus was saying, and he's talked about it in Philippians chapter 3. He wrote uh, verse 2. He's talking, he's warning people. He says, beware, watch out for, for these dogs. What kind of dogs? Turn to the person next to you and say, what dogs is he talking about? Who are these dogs? Are they Drug pushers? Are they, are they murderers? Are they, no, no, these are, these are, are, are whitewashed Christians. These evildoers, these mutilators of the flesh. Verse 3, for it is we who are the, of the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ and put 
No confidence, none in the flesh. But I need more confidence, Pastor. I can't tell you how many times people came to me the last couple of months, Pastor, pray for me. I need more confidence. I need more confidence to get this job. I need more confidence on that job interview. I need to get my confidence back. I've, I've been struggled and I'm battling depression and I need, I need confidence, Pastor. And, and there is a million dollar industry based off of confidence. If you drive this car, you'll be more confident. If you buy this home, you'll be more confident. If you lose 20 pounds, you'll be more confident. No, 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 no. You don't need to lose 20 pounds. Just be confident in who you are. And, and so it's confusing. We, we think we gotta be more confident and, and we just started sending Judah to karate class and they said in karate classes, we're going to make your son more confident at school. He's going to be a beast at, on the playground. He's going to be able to fight off all those bullies, all those men and the kids in the skeleton costumes, hashtag karate kid, that are chasing him. He's going to be more confident. And so Judah thinks he's now, he's, he's all of a sudden like a street fighter. He's coming home. He's a white belt and he's doing these kicks and punches. He's looking in the mirror saying, you a bad man, Judah. You are, he's punching himself in the chest. I'm like, no, Judah, you're a skinny boy. You're not a bad man running around with punches that wouldn't even break paper. Now he, he's so confident he thinks that he could he could fight like, like Bruce Lee or something. I, and, and so I'm worried about him because we have this impression that if we have more confidence, it's going to make everything all right. But arrogance is a derivative of confidence. See, I have found that the wisest people I know aren't the people with all the answers. The wisest people I know are the ones that ask the right questions. And so often we want this confidence, but Paul is saying, you need to lose your confidence. I lost my, I have no confidence whatsoever in my flesh at all. This isn't easy. This is, this is challenging because so often we're taught that, that you need more confidence. Doesn't the Bible say we need to be confident? Yeah, the Bible says, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, be confident that he who began this good work in you will be faithful to complete it. See, that's the switch. That's the, see, be confident. If you think you're the one that started this thing, if you think you're the reason that, that you got to this pedestal, if you think you're better than other people, and that's where your confidence comes from, then you are getting ready for a colossal fall. But if you say, God, my confidence is in you, that you started this thing in me, that you are the alpha, you are the omega, this marriage is yours, this career is yours, my future is yours, I'm going to present myself as a living sacrifice before you. Take all of me. Take all my money. Take all my resources. Take my family. God, you began this work in me on such and such a day, and you're going to finish it. Then you switch from confidence, then this is the title of my sermon, Godfidence, that my confidence is not in myself, but my confidence is in my God. I stole that title from Diamond Friedel, by the way. Got to give her credit for that. See, it's Godfidence that I want, because my confidence will fail all the time. And right when you think that you have made it, and you've worked so hard, and you look down on other people who don't work as hard as you, all of a sudden, when you begin to slip and you begin to stumble, now it's on you to be able to pick yourself back up. And Humpty Dumpty can't put himself back together. See, where do you put your confidence? I uh, was, was thankful about a year ago uh, to take Lily to the mall 
very dangerous to take a, a six-year-old girl to the mall. Uh, but I wanted to bless her. Uh, Diamond was, was off, you know, doing girl stuff. And so I, I, had, I had the kids. I was doing it, doing it like daddy. Like, I, I could handle this on my own. I'm a good dad, taking the kids in the strollers. I got this. And so we go to uh, the mall and uh, take her to a, a jewelry store. And I say, Lily, I'm going to buy you a ring because I love you. And, and you're going to stay married to me until you're 18 years old. You're mine. And so I said, pick out whatever ring you want in this little section right here. <laughs> and, and so she, she picked out this beautiful ring, and, and, and I took it. And we had this cute little box, and, and I was so proud. I put the ring on Lily's finger, and, and she was showing it off at school the next day. And, 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 and then uh, she, she, she took it off and, and put it by the bathtub. And um, um, I said, why did you take it off? She said, someone at school was, was making fun of me because they said that uh, a daddy shouldn't give a daughter a ring like that. I know, shame on them, whoever that was, man. <laughs> but, but Lily said, I don't want to wear it anymore, daddy. And she, she put it right in the bathtub before she was about to take a bath. And uh, I, I looked at her and, and I said, Lily, is that a good place to put it? <laughs> Uh, because there's a drain right there. Is, there, is that a good place to, to, to put it? And, and she said, no, Daddy, of course. I said, put, put that ring on. So you turn to the person next to you and say, is that a good place to put it? Is that a good place to put your confidence in other people? Because you put your confidence in other people and they let you down. You put your confidence in your performance and it'll always let you down. You put your confidence in, in, in your work ethic, but you can never work hard enough to take you where God wants you to be. That is not a good place to put it. I've heard people even say, I, I, I put my confidence in other people and, and now I don't want to come to church because other people let me down. Let me tell you something, that your relationship with God is so precious that you should never put it in the hands of other people and how they treat you. You put it in the hands of God who will never disappoint you. Stop putting your confidence in the wrong place and you wonder why you're so disappointed all the time. And Paul finally got that revelation. Here's the, the Apostle Paul. And he's dealing with these, he calls them dogs. Arr, arr. On the count of three, I want everyone to do their best dog barking. Ready? One, two, three. Har, har. That was good. I like that. You guys are good. And, and so, Joe, you didn't bark. I, I didn't hear you bark, Joe. Let me hear the bark. All right. boy. That's, that's right. That's why he's an elder and you're not. He's got a good bark. And so he's saying these dogs are trying to tell you that your relationship with God is based on your outward appearance. That, that you just came to Christ, now you need to be circumcised. Uh, in the Old Testament, that was the, the, the um, outward appearance of, appearance, this is getting a little awkward, uh, <laughs> of the people of God. Israelites were, were, were circumcised, and, and now the people that are now coming into Christianity uh, are coming into Christ. The old Jews are saying, you need to be circumcised like us. You need to look like us. You need to be like us. You need to take on the traditions that we have. And, and Paul is saying, you're an evildoer. Don't put that on them. It's not about an outward appearance. It's about a heart condition. And, and so he, he says, uh, I put no confidence in my flesh, though myself I have reasons for confidence. 
You want to play this game of comparing you to, to other people? All right, I'll play this game with you. If you want to talk about the reasons I have to be confident, I have plenty. This is what he says. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in their flesh, I have more. My circumcision is better than your circumcision. This is a weird game that Paul's playing. This is, this is just awkward, but he's, he's going somewhere this, with this. He says, verse 5, I was circumcised on the eighth day, the, the right day. I'm of the people of Israel. I'm of the people of God. I'm of the chosen pedigree that God ordained on this earth. And I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin was the king's tribe. I could track my lineage all the way back to Abraham. Can you do that? I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I got the entire Torah memorized front and back. I could say it in Greek. I could say it in Hebrew. I, I got it all memorized. My, my, I'm, I'm better than you if I was to boast in that. And in regards to the law, I was a Pharisee. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. And as for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. You want to play this game with me? If you want to compare flesh, mine is pretty good looking. I'm faultless. I don't have anything that taints me and my image. Do we really need that kind of confidence, Paul is saying? Because what I realize is, is if you put all your confidence in your outward appearance, what happens is you begin to look down on other people. You begin to condemn other people when you put confidence in yourself that you're a self-made man or a self-made woman. I am where I am because I worked harder than other people. That always causes you to compare yourself to other people, and, 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 and that is a very dangerous place to be. And yet all of us do it at some level, at some point in our lives. And it is so hard because we have these categories that, that we have in our mind and, and we have these behaviors that, that good people do and we have these behaviors that bad people do and, and, and we begin to put people in different categories in our lives. And, and, and one thing I have tried to do, and it's not easy, I've tried to do is to, to never judge somebody on something that I can't see. And never think that I know someone's heart just because I see a behavior. And I know what you're saying, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But yet, I, the, 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 the ways of the heart are only known by God. So how can I judge you based off of something I can't see? And I, I'll, I'll tell you a, a story that I, I feel like um, really articulates this so often. And it's, it's a story of someone that used to go to our church a long time ago. And uh, this, this person... Um, had, had a, a real uh, critical spirit um, against a lot of pastors. And there was this one pastor in particular. He didn't like uh, how, how flashy he was. He didn't like how, how he uh, uh, wore nice clothes and, 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 and talked, uh, uh, not just reading verse by verse, but told stories and, and said that this pastor is, is full of himself. This pastor is arrogant. This pastor is too flashy. This pastor doesn't drive the right car. And, and he, he's not a man of God. He's into himself too much. And, and, and yet this man boasted in how much of the Bible he knew. Uh, he, he even claimed uh, that, that he he had no sin in his life. He got to the point where there was no fault in him whatsoever, and, and he began to just judge pastors and judge other leaders that they shouldn't be where they are because they're not traditional enough, or they don't preach the right truth. They don't preach the, the truth that, that I stand on, and, and, and this man was, was so self-righteous, and he looked at this other pastor like he was too cocky and too arrogant and didn't do the things the, the, that he would have done as a pastor, and, and it was so interesting that that man ended up 
leaving his wife for a woman half his age in Florida, uh, ended up leaving his whole family, and, and the last time uh, I heard isn't even part of the Christian faith anymore. And yet the pastor that, that he was claiming to be cocky and flashy and arrogant and, and didn't look like a pastor, didn't talk like a pastor, uh, that man, my father, was married for 46 years, was there for his son who is now preaching the gospel in flashy shoes and, and I wear a suit jacket and, and I got an eagle ring on my hand, but I, I've learned to realize that I don't want to judge people based on what's on the outside of them. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know the battles that they've fought. You don't ever know what it's like to be a day in that person's shoes so you have no right to judge them and their character you just need to pray for them you just need to ask God to lift them up and they may not be fast but the race is not given to the swift nor to the fast but the one who endures I want to be one who endures one that doesn't judge one that doesn't compare any longer God take that from me and Paul finally got to that place he had everything on, on the outside. He knew the whole Bible. He, he, he had, had, had all of the pedigree. And he was persecuting Christians. He was zealous. He had, had, had education. He had wealth. He was the smartest guy in the room all the time. And yet, when he was on his way to Damascus, all of a sudden, he fell off of his high horse. And a voice from heaven came, who are you persecuting and why? And Paul said, who is this? This is Jesus, the one that you're persecuting. And all of a sudden, in that moment, Paul went blind. He ended up changing his name. He now had to relearn everything. He went from being the smartest person in the room to realizing that he was nothing without Jesus, to realize that all of the the things he put his confidence in are nothing. See, you are so confident in yourself until you start comparing yourself to Jesus. You want to compare yourself to somebody, compare yourself to Jesus, and you will realize how unholy you really are, how much work you need in your life, how humble you need to be. If you keep exalting yourself above others and looking down on other people that don't think like you, talk like you, act like you, you are ready for a fall. Jesus says, woe to him who puts his faith in himself. Look at this Pharisee that thinks the reason why he's liked more by God is because he tithes and fasts twice a week and knows the word front and back. God says, the man that is humble before me, that stands even at a distance and beats his chest and say, God, have mercy on me, the sinner. That man is going to be justified above the person who thinks he's better than other people. Your righteousness is like filthy rags before the Lord. And, and Paul says, I love it. He says, verse, verse 7, he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for Christ. Man, the best thing that happened to me was I fell off my high horse. The best thing that ever happened to me is I fell and I failed and I realized that I was wrong and we need to get that revelation that I'm glad it happened. I'm glad that I failed. I'm glad that I realized that I wasn't the, the, the greatest thing in the world. I'm glad that I realized I don't have all the answers. I'm glad that, that I, I, I realized that my confidence is not in myself because it caused me to put my confidence in one greater than me. I surrender my confidence, and I pray that you will give me confidence that this is where my confidence is, in the right place. And I'm getting off my high horse. So I need more confidence. No. 
you need less confidence. You need no confidence. I need to be more confident. I worked hard. No. You need to lose that confidence and gain Godfidence. That the reason I can perform, the reason I can work hard, the reason I can produce wealth with these hands, the reason I can be able to, to, to read and be able to speak well and be able to, to get that job has nothing to do with me and everything to do with God. That's where my confidence is. That's the revelation that we all need to be able to get. Aren't you sick of seeing all these self-righteous, cocky, arrogant people that think they're greater than, than, than everybody else in the world? Aren't you sick of that? But it starts with you. It starts with me. And this is what Paul said, and I'm done preaching. Are you done listening? No. Who are you going to listen to if I stop preaching? <laughs> I kind of walked into that one, didn't I? <laughs> Paul said, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowledge, knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. That's what I want. I want to lay down my righteousness. I want to lay down my confidence and be able to receive the confidence that God wants to put inside of me to be able to see him do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or even imagine. God, take this confidence from me. I told, told someone the other day, uh, what are you preaching on on Sunday, they asked me. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach about um, how to, how to lose your confidence, Bruce. And, and, and Bruce goes to me, well, are you going to preach next week on how to get it back? <laughs> no. You're going to lose it and never get it back. But when you lose something, when you sacrifice something, God will always give you something greater. But before he could give it, you have to let it die. Before the harvest comes, you have to let the seed go down into the ground. And some of you, you're holding on to your self-righteousness and your self-confidence. You're better than other people because you worked harder than other people. You made better decisions than other people. Scripture says, put no confidence in your own works, in your own righteousness, but let it die. Because this is what Paul said, verse 10. So that I can know Christ and know the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection. Once you let something die, then get ready for a resurrection. Who wants to see their confidence come back? Who wants to see real confidence come in their heart? Godfidence come in their spirit. Godfidence come into you in those business meetings. Confidence come to you when you're around areas that make you uncomfortable. How does that work? I gotta let it die first. Put no confidence in my flesh. But now confidence is coming in me. 
Stand to your feet right now if, if you're able to. Amen. Who could say that this, this word was, was for them? Let's bow our heads. Father, you know our hearts. Search them. God, I pray right now, every single one of us that has put our confidence in ourselves and we begin to, to compare ourselves to other people and look down on other people. And God, this message isn't just for the, 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 the people who look down on, on let's just say, the, the ones with the tattoos and the piercings, but there may be some people that have tattoos and piercings in here who have looked down on other people. This message is for all of us. God, I'm, I'm, I'm finished comparing myself. I'm finished looking down on other people. I'm finished talking about other people. I'm finished trying to think I know somebody's heart just because I see an exterior that, 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 that behaves a certain way. I rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus. I pray that we will get the revelation that Jesus talked about in this story of that tax collector who was so humble that he didn't even deserve to be in the presence of this all-holy God. That I'm the worst of the worst, that there's nobody worse than me. God, have mercy on me, the sinner. That God, I give you all of me. Take every part of me. I lay my confidence down. I lay my performance down, my good works, God. I don't want that to be what defines me. But God, I want you to be the one that defines me, God. I can't do this on my own. You're the one that began this work inside of me. This family is yours. This marriage is yours, God. You're the one that brought us together, and you're the only one that could keep us together when we're going through hell. My confidence is not in myself, in my performance. My confidence is in you. In that moment, as you begin to surrender, that's when Godfidence can come inside your heart. And you could say like what Paul said, I am who I am by the grace of God. I am who I am by the grace of God. Let's say that together. I am who I am by the grace of God. Let's sing that now. I am who I am by the grace of God. I am who I am by the grace of God. Thank you.